Does anyone here this morning have a sibling or siblings? You have brothers and sisters? Raise your hand if you grew up with brothers and sisters. Look at that. Wow. Many of you grew up with siblings. You grew up with brothers and sisters. Well, for those of you who were blessed to grow up with siblings, let me ask you this now. Have you ever felt overshadowed by them? You ever felt overlooked and maybe even only acknowledged as being their sibling? If so, well, then there's somebody in the Bible who can probably relate to you when it comes to that. Take out your Bible this morning and go to John chapter 1, please. I want to show you something in John chapter 1. I'm going to start reading in verse number 29. In John 1, in verse number 29, here when talking about John the Baptist, or John the baptizer, it says, The next day he saw Jesus coming to him and said, Behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. This is he on behalf of whom I said, After me comes a man who has a higher rank than I, for he existed before me. I did not recognize him, but so that he might be manifested to Israel, I came baptizing in water. John testified, saying, I have seen the Spirit descending as a dove out of heaven, and he remained upon him. I did not recognize him, but he who sent me to baptize in water said to me, He upon whom you see the Spirit descending and remain upon him. This is the one who baptizes in the Holy Spirit. I myself have seen and have testified that this is the Son of God. Verse 35, again the next day, John was standing with two of his disciples, and he looked at Jesus as he walked and said, Behold, the Lamb of God. The two disciples heard him speak, and they followed Jesus. And Jesus turned and saw them following and said to them, What do you seek? They said to him, Rabbi, which translated means teacher, where are you staying? He said to them, Come, and you will see. So they came and saw where he was staying, and they stayed with him that day. For it was about the 10th hour. That's about 4 o'clock in the evening. One of the two who heard John speak and followed him was Andrew, Simon Peter's brother. He first found his own brother Simon and said to him, We have found the Messiah, which translated means Christ. He brought him to Jesus. Jesus looked at him and said, You are Simon, the son of John. You should be called Cephas, which is translated Peter. I want you to go back up and notice very carefully what we find in verse number 40 of this section. You see verse number 40 there? I want you to notice how in verse number 40, John, the apostle John, he mentions there a man named Andrew. He mentions Andrew. Who was Andrew? Well, for those of you who are familiar with the names of the apostles, you know that Andrew, Andrew was an apostle. Andrew was a special ambassador of Jesus Christ. Andrew, according to what we find here, was also the brother of the apostle Peter. In fact, Andrew may be more known for being the brother of Peter than, than anything else. I say that because think about Peter's resume. Think about Peter's spiritual resume. I mean, maybe outside of the Apostle Paul, does anybody in the New Testament have a spiritual resume like Peter? I mean, think about it. Peter preached the gospel first to the Jews in Acts 2 and to the Gentiles in Acts 10. 
Peter was also an elder or a shepherd in the church. According to 1 Peter chapter 5, Peter was also with the Lord Jesus on the Mount of Transfiguration. And he was with him in the Garden of Gethsemane on the night he was arrested. There are a few people in the Bible. There are a few people in the history of the world who have had the kind of impact on the kingdom that Peter has. And imagine being his sibling. Imagine being his brother. Imagine being Andrew. Imagine being someone who, because of the emphasis that the New Testament places on your brother, you hardly get mentioned today. You hardly get mentioned in Bible classes and, and in sermons. You usually are only thought of as being the brother of Peter. Andrew is certainly an overlooked apostle. He is certainly an overlooked follower of Jesus Christ, and yet when we study carefully what the Holy Spirit says about him, well, we see he really shouldn't be overlooked at all. He really was a, a good man. He was a, a faithful follower of Jesus. You see, when we study our Bibles very carefully, we see that beyond just being the brother of Peter, well, Andrew was a seeker of truth. He was a seeker of truth from God. John chapter 1 again, verse 35 says, Again, the next day John was standing with two of his disciples, and he looked at Jesus as he walked and said, Behold, the Lamb of God. The two disciples heard him speak, and they followed Jesus. And Jesus turned and saw them following and said to them, What do you seek? They said to him, Rabbi, which translated means teacher, where are you staying? He said to them, Come, and you will see. So they came and saw where he was staying, and they stayed with him that day, for it was about the tenth hour. I think for us to really be able to appreciate what the Bible is saying here, we need to pause for a moment or two and just talk a little bit about the work of the guy mentioned in verse number 35 of that chapter. We need to talk a little bit about the work of John. We need to rehearse a little bit the work of John, not John the apostle, but John the baptizer. You see, in addition to baptizing people for remission of sins, John also had the primary work as a prophet of pointing people to Jesus. His job was to point people to Jesus, the Messiah, Jesus, the Son of God, Jesus, the Lamb of God. This verse right here, John 1 and verse 36, sums up perfectly what John the baptizer's work was all about. John the baptizer's work was all about Jesus. It was all about pointing people to Jesus, pointing people to Jesus, the Messiah, and Andrew, who was one of John's disciples for a time. Well, well he was looking for the Messiah. He, he was looking for that supreme sacrificial lamb that the holy prophet spoke of. In fact, when John the Baptist pointed to his at his disciples and said, hey, there's Jesus over there. Look at that guy, Jesus, he's the Messiah. Well, the scripture says that when John pointed at Jesus, Andrew was gone. A Andrew left John. Andrew departed from following John the prophet and he started following Jesus. 
When you look at what Matthew tells us in Matthew chapter 4, verses 18, 18 through 20, Matthew tells us that in addition to Peter, James, and John, well, Andrew, Andrew also left his profession in the fishing industry to follow Jesus. Andrew also gave up his employment. He also gave up his job to devote himself to traveling with Jesus and being trained by Jesus and listening to Jesus. In fact, this quality or this characteristic that was found in Andrew's life, it is really what is highlighted the most about him and the little bit of information we know about him in the gospel. We find it here again in John 1 and verse 39. The Bible says that when some of John's disciples realized and became convinced that Jesus was the Messiah, they asked Jesus, where are you staying, Jesus? And Jesus said, come and you'll see. So they came and saw where he was staying, and they stayed with him that day, for it was about the 10th hour. It was about 4 o'clock in the evening. Notice how Andrew, Andrew, who's in this group of people, Andrew, when he became convinced that Jesus was the Messiah, he wanted to spend some more time with him that day. He spent the rest of the day with Jesus. He certainly would have been asking questions of Jesus, asking him about the kingdom of God. And Jesus would have taught him about the kingdom of God, about what it means to be a disciple. This quality of Andrew is found here in this verse, but it's not just found here. I want you to go in your Bible now to Mark chapter 13. We find some interesting verses in Mark that I've often overlooked. In Mark chapter 13, beginning with verse number one, during the last week of Jesus' life, when he came out of the temple, he had spent some, some time in the temple, and he says in verse one, Mark 13 and verse one, as he was going out of the temple, one of his disciples said to him, teacher, behold, what wonderful stones and what wonderful buildings. And Jesus said to him, do you see these great buildings? Now one stone will be left upon another, which will not be torn down. This will be equal to somebody 40 years before the towers went down in New York City saying, you see those towers right there? One day they're going to be destroyed. One day they will be completely torn down. Imagine someone making that prediction 40 years before it happened. That's what Jesus is doing here. And in verse 3 it says, and he was sitting on the Mount of Olives opposite the temple, and Peter and James and John, and who else? Andrew, they were questioning him privately. Tell us, when will these things be? And what will be the sign when all of these things are going to be fulfilled? Notice how while Peter and James and John are typically recognized as being in the inner, inner circle of Jesus, on this occasion, Andrew, well, Andrew is numbered with them. Andrew is alone with them in this private moment with Jesus after coming out of the temple and hearing Jesus talk about a day when the temple was going to be destroyed and Jerusalem was going to be destroyed. Well, Andrew, Andrew wanted to know more about that. Andrew wanted to know when exactly was that going to happen. Andrew wanted to know what kind of signs would precede a mind-blowing event like that. You see, while the Bible doesn't tell us a whole lot about Andrew, what it does tell us is Andrew was a learner. He, he was a learner. He was constantly trying to learn the truth. He was constantly trying to learn the truth from Jesus. 
He was constantly following Jesus from place to place and sitting at his feet. He was even asking questions of Jesus so that he could understand some of the more difficult things that Jesus taught. That's the kind of attitude that Andrew clearly carried with him in his life. And let me tell you something. That's the kind of attitude we need to have today. That's the kind of attitude I need to have today. That's the kind of attitude you need to have today. I don't care how long we've been studying the Bible. I don't care how much we may think we know about the Bible. I don't care how long we've been teaching the Bible and reading the Bible. Like Andrew, we need to always strive to learn more. We need to always strive to to learn more about Jesus. We need to always strive to learn more about, about Jesus' will and about Jesus' word. Doing this requires us being excited about reading those Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, again and again and again and again. It requires us being excited and zealous about reading from the wisdom literature like we've been reading from this year. It requires us digging from time to time in those major and minor prophets and taking frequent journeys through the book of Acts and through the books of history and the Old Testament and not being afraid to tackle some of those meaty topics that are addressed in books like Romans and Hebrews and 1 Corinthians and even the book of Revelation. All of those books have so much rich information that can take our spiritual maturity to another level. It can take our knowledge of Jesus to another level. You see, if Andrew was alive on this earth today, he certainly would be doing that kind of stuff. He certainly would be, would be a zealous and passionate student of the complete and perfect word of God that we have before us today. Andrew wouldn't let anything stop him from learning as much as he could about Jesus. I mean, think about it. If he was willing to leave John, the great prophet, and even his job to learn from Jesus... Well, I'm pretty sure that he wouldn't let being tired from a long day on his job stop him from coming to Bible class. He, he wouldn't be daydreaming and playing around on his iPad or his cell phone during the preaching of sermons. He wouldn't let the daily affairs of life hinder him from reading one chapter a day from a daily Bible reading schedule. If he was a young person here, he would try to be at, at as many youth devotionals as he could. He would do all that stuff because he clearly was a learner. He clearly was someone who was always trying to understand the truth. If he didn't understand the truth about something, he asked questions. If he wanted to know the truth about something, he went to the right source. He went to Jesus. If he became sold on what the truth taught and what he had learned, he took hold of it and he never let it go. That's why he's always close to Jesus. The Bible doesn't tell us a lot about Andrew, but it does tell us that he was a seeker of truth, but not only was he a seeker of truth, another thing the Bible tells us about Andrew is he had a wavering faith. Oh, yes, Andrew had a wavering faith. Last Sunday, I realized that Brother Greg in the first lesson did a great lesson from Hebrews chapter 11. Remember that lesson? Hall of faith, honor roll of faith. I love Hebrews chapter 11. One of my favorite chapters in the Bible. I love that chapter because it gives 
people like me, it gives people like me some hope. It gives me some encouragement. It gives me some, some motivation. It lets me know that even though some people, some great people, a long time ago accomplished some great things for God, at the end of the day, all those people there in that chapter, they were not superheroes. They were not super disciples. They were not super Christians. Instead, when you read Hebrews chapter 11, you know what you're reading? You're reading about a bunch of regular people. You're reading about, about a bunch of ordinary people like me and you. Like me and you, the people in Hebrews chapter 11, they were all sinners. They were all people who messed up, who violated the will of God. They even had wavering faith for a time. I mean, isn't that exactly what we've seen from Abraham and our studies from Genesis? I don't know about you, but when I study Abraham in Genesis, you know what I see? I see a man who had a faith that did just like this. Did you notice that? It's a big roller coaster ride. It's up, it's down. It's up, it's down. One day he's trusting God, one day he's afraid. One day he's trusting God, another day he's afraid. Abraham, Abraham was a man who had a roller coaster ride full of faith. He was a man who clearly did not become the great hero of faith we read about in Hebrews 11 overnight. His faith was, was a lifelong journey. It was a roller coaster ride. And I think we see that same kind of stuff going on with Andrew. Look at John chapter 6, please. In John the 6th chapter, in John chapter 6, this is the occasion when Jesus multiplied a couple of fish and a few loaves of bread to feed thousands and thousands of people. You remember when Jesus did that? Well, look at what the Bible says in John 6 and verse 4. It says, now the Passover, verse 4, the Passover, the feast of the Jews was near. Therefore, Jesus, lifting up his eyes and seeing that a large crowd was coming to him, he said to Philip, where are we to buy bread so that these may eat? This he was saying to test him, for he himself knew what he was intending to do. Verse 7, Philip answered him, 200 denarii worth of bread is not sufficient for everyone to receive a little one of his disciples, Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, said to him, there's a lad here who has five barley loaves and two fish. That's not a lot of food, barely enough to feed one person. And Andrew says, but what are these for so many people? What are these for so many people? Jesus said, have the people sit down. Now, there was much grass in that place. So the men sat down in number about five Thousand. I want you to notice the question that Andrew asked Jesus in verse number nine. What are these? What is this to feed all these people, Jesus? That's an interesting question. That's a very interesting question, especially when you stop and consider all that Andrew has seen Jesus do up to this point. You see, up to this point, you know what Andrew has seen Jesus do? When well, John chapter 2, he saw Jesus turn some water into wine. In John chapter 5, he saw Jesus give a lame man 
the ability to walk miraculously. In John 6 and verse number 2, when you go to verse 2 of this chapter, the Bible says that the very reason why these people are following Jesus on this occasion is because they saw the signs. They saw the miraculous signs which he was performing on those who were sick. Brothers and sisters, up to this point, Andrew, Andrew has seen all kind of supernatural power from Jesus. He has seen Jesus perform miracle after miracle after miracle. And yet when he notices there's not enough food to feed all these people, he seems to doubt. He seems to doubt Jesus. He seems to doubt Jesus' ability to use the same kind of power that he had witnessed over and over again to take care of this problem. Andrew clearly has a wavering faith at this time. He clearly is doubting in his faith. But notice how Jesus, Jesus doesn't blast him. Jesus doesn't rebuke him. Jesus doesn't call him pathetic and give up on him. Instead, you know what Jesus does? Jesus helps him grow. Jesus helps him grow his faith. Jesus takes that fish and he takes that bread and he multiplies that food miraculously and he feeds all of these women and all these men and all these children and he proves to Andrew and the rest of the apostles there's no limit to his power. There's no limit to what Jesus can do. See, Jesus had to help Andrew with his faith at times. And the question is, what about us? What about me? What about you? Where are you in your faith this morning? Are you currently wavering in your faith right now? Are you doubting in your faith? Are you doubting God's ability to help you in a difficult circumstance in your life? Are you doubting God's ability to help you get through a, a tough time in your marriage right now? Are you doubting God's ability to help you restore some prodigal children? Are you doubting God's ability to help us as a church win lost souls right here in the valley? Do you find yourself thinking to yourself at times, well, it doesn't matter how much we pray about it and how much we talk about it and how much we study about it. There's no way that we're ever going to be successful trying to win lost souls here in this part of the country during a time when so many people are getting further and further away from the will of God. Do you find yourself thinking that kind of stuff? Do you find yourself wavering and doubting in your faith? Well, if so, then you know what you need to do? You need to do what Andrew needed to do. You need to stop right where you are this morning and you need to go back and you need to remember what the Lord has already done. You need to go back and consider the Lord's work in the past as rock solid evidence of what he can do in the present and in the future. You need to understand that if Jesus can turn water into wine. And if he can cast demons out of people, and if he can give sight to the blind, and if he can make the lame able to walk, and if he can raise the dead and multiply fish and bread and feed thousands and thousands of people, there's no problem he can't help us with today. There's no problem he can't help us providentially with today. Andrew was a seeker of truth. 
But there are times when his faith wavered. Just like our faith wavers from time to time today. But even though he had a wavering faith, the third thing I want to point out about him is he was very effective in evangelism. We just talked a little bit about evangelism. I want to talk about it some more as it pertains to Andrew. Go back to John chapter 1, please. John chapter 1, look at verse number 40. After Andrew spent some time with Jesus, the Bible says in John 1 and verse 40, one of the two who heard John speak and followed him was Andrew, Simon Peter's brother. He first found his own brother, Simon, and said to him, We have found the Messiah, which translated means Christ. He brought him to Jesus. Jesus looked at him and said, You are Simon, the son of John. You should be called Cephas, which translated means Peter. I got to tell you that I really like, I really like what we find Andrew doing here on this occasion. I like this because you know what this is? This is evangelism 101. This is evangelism 101. This is not complicated what Andrew does. This is not rocket science. This doesn't this require you taking a special evangelism class or going out and buying a, a bunch of how-to evangelize books written by a bunch of quote-unquote experts. No, sir, no, ma'am. All this requires is being somebody of influence. All you got to do is be somebody of influence. Notice after Andrew becomes a follower of Jesus, what he does here is he goes after somebody that he knows. He goes after his flesh and blood. He goes after his brother. He enthusiastically offers his brother someone he already has a close relationship with an opportunity to come and learn from Jesus. This is not complicated. You know, I can remember several years ago when Janice and I were working with a, another congregation. We, as a congregation, made a huge effort to invite as many people as we could in our community to come and hear a special lesson about the Bible. We wanted people in our community to come and hear a special lesson about why we can trust the Bible, while we can trust the Bible is inspired, or we can trust the Bible is our road map to heaven. We wanted people in our community to come and hear this lesson. I was actually going to present this lesson at 2 o'clock on a Sunday. We offered it at 2 o'clock on a Sunday just in case people in our community said, well, I already have a church that I go to and I can't come at 6 o'clock or 5 o'clock because I have obligations at my congregation. To eliminate that problem, we offered this special service at 2 o'clock. They could come and hear the ser sermon and then make it back to their church. In fact, at a local fair, at a local fair, we set up a booth. We set up a fair booth and we passed out all kinds of flyers. We literally passed out hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of flyers to people in our community, inviting them to come to this, this special service and, and listen to this sermon. And you know how many of those people showed up? We had 10. 10 people from the community showed up. And of those 10 people, you know how many of them were a result of us passing out all those flyers at the fair? Zero. Zero. We passed out hundreds <laughs> and hundreds and hundreds of flyers to people in our community. And none of those people, 
None of those people from that fair effort showed up. Those 10 people who did show up to hear that lesson, they didn't show up because they received a flyer from a bunch of random people that they did not know. Instead, you know why they showed up? Those, people, those 10 people showed up because they received a personal invitation from somebody they knew. They received a personal invitation from somebody on their job or in their school or in their neighborhood. In fact, five of those 10 people were co-teachers with my wife. One of them was the music teacher named Angela. Angela told me after the service that the only reason she showed up was because my wife was so kind and so nice and so warm to her every single day that she felt, hey, I'll go to support, support what her church is doing. You said because my wife was so nice to her and so different. Every single day, she said, I'll take her up on that invitation. She came to the service, and when she got there, she became pricked by the word of God. She became pricked by the gospel. We were then able to set up some Bible studies with her in our home for several weeks. Eventually, we baptized her into the glory of God. I'm thankful to tell you that today as I speak to you, she's a faithful member of the Lord's church. She's a faithful citizen in the kingdom of God. Despite having no religious background before showing up that day, she is a Christian today. That journey, you know where it all began? It all began with a personal relationship. It all began with a Christian being kind and loving and warm and inviting her to come and learn about Jesus. Let me tell you something. I don't care how advanced we are in our technology today. I don't care how advanced we become as a society in the days to come. Building strong relationships with people, that will always be key in winning the loss for Jesus. That will always be necessary in the work of evangelism. And so here's my question. Who are you building those with? Who do you have strong relationships with right now? Who do you have influence with right now who is not a Christian? Is it somebody on your job? Is it a classmate, a teammate? Is it somebody who lives right next door to you? Is it a family member? Remember, that's what happened to Andrew. Andrew had influence with his brother. Remember when trying to convert someone to the Lord, Andrew went after somebody who knew him on a personal level. He went after somebody who already trusted him and understood him and knew, cared about him. Andrew used his influence and in his relationship with somebody to offer a simple invitation. And we can do the same thing today. I can do it. You can do it. Andrew teaches us that effective evangelism begins with the relationship. He was a truth seeker who at times had wavering faith, but was very effective, effective in evangelism. But very quickly, let me close with this last point. Let me close by also telling you that Andrew didn't need the spotlight. No, he didn't need the spotlight. He didn't, do, he didn't need the spotlight to be a worker for the Lord. You know, outside of what we find here in John chapter 1 and a couple of other places in the Bible, 
We don't find Andrew being mentioned a whole lot in the Bible, do we? He's not mentioned in the Bible a, a whole lot. I mean, nearly half of the book of Acts is not about Andrew. Instead, it's about his brother Peter. The Holy Spirit focuses a whole lot more on Peter than he does Andrew. And if Andrew was a man of pride and jealousy and bitterness, well, guess what? He could have resented that. He could have resented all the attention that Jesus and the Holy Spirit gave to Peter. He could have said to Peter, hey, Peter, why are you the one given all these great responsibilities? Why are you the one able to preach the gospel first to the Jews and the Gentiles? Why are you able to go on the Mount of Transfiguration? Why are you always the one in the spotlight when I'm the one who told you about Jesus? I told you about Jesus. If it wasn't for me, you wouldn't even know anything about Jesus. Andrew could have had that kind of prideful and jealous spirit towards his brother. But the Bible tells us, doesn't tell us he had that. The Bible doesn't tell us that he had a prideful and jealous spirit towards his brother. All the Bible tells us about Andrew is he just did whatever the Lord told him to do. He brought his brother to the Lord. He did the work of an apostle. He performed miracles like the other apostles. He preached the gospel like the other apostles. He built up other Christians like the apostles. He essentially did all the same kind of work that the other apostles did. We just don't have those details given in the Bible. Andrew didn't need the spotlight to be a worker for the Lord. And that's a lesson that we need to buy into today. Today, my friends, we need to understand that when it comes to doing work for the Lord, it should never be about us getting the spotlight. It should never be about us being out in front. It should never be about us doing stuff so people can recognize us and compliment us and praise us and lift up our names. No, it should always be about Jesus. It should always be about lifting up the name of Jesus. It should always be about bringing Jesus glory and using our talents and abilities to serve as many people as we can. Andrew may have been overlooked by a lot of people today because he's not mentioned as much as others in the Bible, but because he just humbly did God's work, guess what? He's not overlooked by God. He's not overlooked by Jesus. Jesus recognized him as a faithful disciple. And the question is, are you a faithful disciple? Are you a faithful disciple like Andrew was? If not, then you have an opportunity today, right here, to begin the journey of discipleship. You have an opportunity today to believe in Jesus Christ and confess that belief and repent of your sins and be baptized to begin the wonderful journey or following Jesus like Andrew did. If we can help anyone with that at all this morning, come to the front right now. Let's stand. Let's sing.